Welcome to the Estates Made Simple podcast with Jenna Carvello and Gordon Vanderleek. We are on a mission to simplify the world of estate administration, helping executors gain the knowledge required to manage an estate. Please note, the following is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered legal, tax, or financial advice. We recommend you seek individualized advice for your unique situation with qualified professionals. Well, Jenna, today we have an interesting topic and uh, one that comes has come up more recently in in uh, in my practice, and that's dealing with the banks, dealing with financial institutions. That could also include credit unions. Executors have to open up a bank account and they have to deal with, with the banks fairly quickly. And we will look forward to chatting today a little bit about maybe some tips and some ex- setting expectations with dealing dealing with financial institutions. And I think you've you've run across this in your practice as well, or certainly heard from clients about some of the, the good, the bad, and the ugly in terms of dealing mm-hmm. with the banks, right? Oh, of course, because every executor needs to deal with the banks. I mean, most people who pass away do have accounts to start with. And, yeah. uh, and then so in addition to those accounts, as you mentioned, an executor will also need to open up an estate account to pay expenses and, uh, and flow through any income received into the estate. So let's talk about that. So the starting point, as you suggested, is that once you get appointed as the legal representative of the estate, usually that means you have a grant of probate or a grant of administration, and now you have the authority and you can open up a bank account. We'll talk about maybe some ways to avoid that later on, but uh, let's start with that first is, okay, you've been formally appointed. What do you do next? And typically, one of the first jobs would be to begin to collect all the assets of the estate, right? So best to open up a new estate account. It's interesting. I've seen some banks, for the most part, I think the right way of doing it is opening up a brand new account. So you start with a zero balance, mm-hmm. and then you're going to take all the other deceased, all the other accounts in the name of the deceased, and you could put them into that estate account if appropriate. Now, in some cases, if there's investment accounts, you may want to keep them as as they are. But if you're liquidating, like say there's a checking account and a savings account. Most people might have those two accounts and leaving aside investment accounts. You could take those and you want to put those into an estate account. This is going to be what you will reconcile and communicate mm-hmm. to the beneficiaries to say, when you're done the administration of the estate, here's what's left. And it'll be presumably the amounts that are in the uh, in the estate account or in other investment accounts on there. So I think it makes sense not to have multiple estate accounts, you know, for the basic, like a basic checking account where you're collecting money and paying bills. One is sufficient and it's easier to reconcile one account. Again, get the advice with regard to the investment person about whether you should collapse or retain investment accounts. If you have a stock portfolio, you may want to just leave it as it is and they'll just change the name into the estate of and keep all the investments the way they are to not disrupt them. Um, mm-hmm. But but you need some money to start paying bills and collecting those those accounts. So I think what's important to know is you can't just walk into a bank or go out to your online banking and say, I want to open up an estate account. You're going to need to make an appointment. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll take a little bit of time just to be able to find somebody who's experienced in opening estate accounts. In my experience from with most banks uh, from branch to branch, there might be one or two people within the organization within that branch that are familiar familiar with estate accounts and and are trained for that. It's not necessarily every single teller or every single bank person understands estates because there's unique rules in place and the banks will have their checklists of what's applicable what's applicable so you got to find the right person book the appointment and then come in with with the right documentation right make sure 
uh, they'll often ask for the death certificate. Mm -hmm. I, I was recently in the bank and opening up an estate account, and we were talking about that before we hit record, and and they wanted the original death certificate, right? You know, I was questioning, well, why do you need that? Well, they need it, right? And so you're going to deal with a person who effectively is collecting information probably for an estate department in downtown Calgary or Toronto or somewhere else, they will have specialists who deal with estates and they will be the ones who guide the process. Another time I was, I went into the banker, I had dealt with her before, but oh, let me get the estate person on the line from Toronto. They call the number, the person takes over the computer and starts, oh, fill out this form, do this, do this, do this, and checks everything, right? So the, the message is the person at the front line does not have the authority to do everything you want that person to do. They're going to, mm -hmm. in all likelihood, be checking uh, with the estate department and the estate department is going to sign off on, yes, you have all the right forms and get the executor to sign this and we need a copy of this. And then even if you sign all that and submit it to them, you're thinking, oh, now I can start paying bills, right? Because probably by the time you get to the grant of probate, you got a few bills that are piling up or people who are looking for money. Mm -hmm. Well, you can't pay it right away because it just be aware, it's probably going to take two or three weeks, maybe up to a month or longer to set up the estate account, which is not consistent, which is not consistent with how we deal with banks, right? I, I can open up a checking account with my bank using online banking. Well, you can't do that with the estate account. So just be aware of that, that they have their rules. You're not going to convince them to change the rules that they have across Canada. So you're just going to have to follow the <laughs> rules. But I, I think the other point by way of introduction is you can choose the the bank. You're not mm -hmm. stuck with the bank the deceased person used. You can, you can pick your own bank. Maybe that's preferable because you have a relationship. You know the manager. You can mm -hmm. get them to help you along the way. Maybe there's an investment person there that you want to get advice regarding investing and getting a good rate of return on the money. And so you could use your own bank or you could just stick with the bank, for example, where all the where all the investments are. Maybe it makes more sense just to continue with the relationship that the deceased person had with that particular banker if you feel that they're going to work with you fair, but uh, fairly. But you got to choose the bank and then make sure you book the appointment with the right person and come ask them what they need. You're going to bring in your ID, bring in the original documents, you meet in notarial copies of documents so you can work with a lawyer to getting all that ready to go so you have a successful first meeting. And then it's a hurry up and wait for the bank to open up the account. Mm -hmm. Well, and you've talked a lot about, you know, after you have probate and, and opening that account, but also for executors listening, what about the first step of after someone passes away and even deciding if you need probate? And so that's something that I would encourage all executors to do is actually go to the, the bank, meet with the right person, as you, as you mentioned, meet with the estate person at the bank and ask them what situations they would uh, agree to waive the need to obtain the grant of probate. Because if you don't need probate to collect the assets from, from the bank, then that's one less step you have to do in the estate administration. So most institutions, I mean, if you have more than 20 or 30 grand with any one institution, they typically do need the grant of probate. They can escalate a decision for amounts greater than, than that amount as well. So you know, if, if the deceased had a really good relationship with the bank and the estate is a low risk estate, maybe it's all all the assets are passing to their only child, for example, the bank may agree to to waive the need for the grant of probate, which is which is wonderful. So that's one of the first questions I would ask as an executor if the bank would agree to do that. Yeah, I think that's the right question. And, and quite frankly, the first question I ask if somebody comes in at a first meeting for estate administration, right, they say, well, I think I need to go through probate. But we 
try to take hit the pause button and say, well, are we sure we need it? And let's go through mm-hmm. that analysis, right? There may be benefits mm-hmm. and reasons why you want to go through probate, uh, but you, the bank will typically ask for it, but, but you may have to negotiate a bit, but it is possible. And in certain unique circumstances, you can get the bank to agree. Typically, it involves giving them an indemnity where you are saying, okay, I I assure you I'm the right person. This is the valid last will. And if there's ever a problem or if you ever get sued, I'll make sure I keep you whole, right? I'll, I'll cover mm-hmm. all those claims or expenses. And on the strength of that, the bank may waive the requirement. And again, low risk. If they, I think your numbers are right. What I typically see is yeah, if it gets beyond 2030, maybe even like sometimes you get lucky even uh, pushing 50,000, but generally even beyond that, you, you you have very little likelihood of convincing the bank to, to waive the requirement. And the reason for that is that um, the banks, of course, deal with a multitude of people, right? They have a wide client base and they don't know everything about every client situation. How do they know this is the last will? If they make you go through the, make the family go through the probate process, the probate process is notice based, right? And there's sworn affidavits that you're Mm -hmm. submitting to the court and the court is scrutinizing it to make sure all the rules are followed. So if you show up with a court order, the bank knows you've done You've gone through the process and everybody who needs to know has notice of your application to become an executor in the court and a judge has approved it ultimately as a real live person with a pen signs signs that paper, if you will, at least historically. Now we have a digital system, so it's 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 the the digital ink, if you will, but a digital signature. But still, it's a judge saying, no, this is all appropriate. This is no one's contesting. You follow the rules and I hereby give you, dear executor, the legal authority now to administer the deceased assets. So that includes the bank account, any of those bank accounts. So that's what the bank wants because they won't be held liable if they deal with a person who shows up with a court order. They might be liable if they deal with a person who shows up with a will, but what if it's not the last will? What if the person didn't tell them the whole story and now they gave the money to that person and then a week later, somebody shows up with the real will and says, well, where's the money? And they're going to go, oh my goodness, uh, we gave it to the wrong person. Well, now they're calling their lawyers and now there's probably litigation over that. So they don't want that. They don't want to take that risk. So they say, prove you're the right person, even if it says seems a little weird. But the reason and the background to this is typically when they learn of somebody passing away, they will freeze the accounts. And that, again, mm-hmm. is for the family's benefit, because what if the wrong person has access to it or the wrong person has, say, the de- a kid has the deceased parents or the deceased person's login credentials and has online banking, maybe pursuant to a power of attorney, but starts taking the money inappropriately once the person dies or, or mm-hmm. cleaning out the accounts when they shouldn't have. They, they're not the right person to do that. So really, the freezing of the bank accounts is to make sure that the person who is the right person and the legal representative is the one who's going to control it, not somebody else, because they don't know who else has access to that money, who has the client card, who can go to the ATM and pull out $400 of cash after the funeral, right? So in those circumstances, it's there for protection. It's frustrating for people going, oh, wait a minute, my my accounts are frozen, but it's there for everybody's protection and for the right person to show up. Do be aware that, I mean, the other point maybe to add here would be that if the time period between when somebody dies and when you end up with a grant of probate, which under the new 
surrogate digital system is much simplified and a lot faster than what it used to be. So if you show up in four to six weeks or whatever the time period is with a grant of probate, you know, it used to be three, four months or longer, right, that you'd have to wait. But the, if if there are some immediate bills, the accounts are frozen and you need the funeral paid for, then typically if you go to the bank for third-party expenses that are not contentious and are, don't represent a distribution in the estate, you can, in fact, you, you may be able to uh, convince the bank to say, can you make that payment on my behalf while I wait for the grant of probate? Because they're aware it's not instantaneous. It takes time to mm -hmm. go through probate and they want to try to be reasonable, but not assume any risk of number one, allowing the wrong person to, to show up or paying expenses that are contentious, right? But you know, the funeral always gets paid. So that wouldn't be contentious. Mm -hmm. If, if there's a tax bill that's owed, they would want that to go through. Maybe sometimes they let some of the utilities go through so that we're not, you know, the, you know, utilities aren't turned off in the middle of winter and pipes frozen and damage and those sorts of things, right? So mm -hmm. they're not going to allow discretionary expenses. Oh, we need some money to pay for the grandkids' travel expenses to come to the funeral. That probably won't get approved, but right. paying the funeral home would likely, mm -hmm. you know, so you might have some success in talking the bank into making some interim payments while you wait for that court order. So they'll, they'll also allow you to put money in, but they may not allow you to take the money out your own, yourself unless they do it by way of a bank draft directly to third parties like the funeral home. So there is maybe a little bit of opportunity to do some negotiations. And that goes back to the point of pick a bank you have a relationship with, right? Because if they trust you, they know it's everything's fine. It's There's nothing contentious or weird going on in the estate, then they're likely to uh, you know, allow some of those discretionary decisions to be made while we wait for the the grant probate. So I I think you you touched on some good points, um, specifically with the frozen accounts, because I I have often seen uh, automatic payments going through prior to someone's death. So it could be you know a hundred dollars to their church every month, or you know a payment to their grandkids as support, or or something of that order. So you know having those accounts frozen really allows the executor to put their mind to whether these payments should continue, and if they should continue, to ask the bank specifically to approve those. And and again, it's up to the bank to decide if if they're willing to do that. So I really I really think that you know just to sum it all up, executors need to be patient because it's not a, an easy process. You're not going to walk into the bank right after the deceased pass away, collect the assets, and distribute to beneficiaries, which I think is a common misconception that many executors have. So be patient, meet with the right individuals, and also just follow up. If you don't hear from them in a couple of weeks, follow up. Um, stay top of mind so you are sure to uh, to be dealt with and and um, and get an answer that you need. So in closing, thank you everyone for listening. Please subscribe to uh, YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate you tuning in and learning about the exciting world of a state administration. And until next time, Gordon, looking forward to chatting with you. Indeed. 